Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Championing the core conservative principles of limited government, individual liberty, free enterprise, and traditional values. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Shall I play for you? Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk, sponsored by Wink Hartman and the Hartman Group of Companies. Don't forget, if you ever miss an episode, you can always visit knssradio.com. You'll find a link to podcasts of all our previous episodes there. A little, uh, little drummer boy from King & Country beautiful group by the way if you have not grabbed a copy of their christmas album it's fantastic make sure you like and share the john whitmer show on facebook and of course follow me on twitter at john r whitmer those are the best ways to stay informed on all the latest show updates well last month i don't know if you saw it the wichita eagle is really good for a birdcage liner but if you didn't see it the wichita eagle ran an editorial saying the constitutional conventions offer, quote, false hope for America and saying the Convention of States project is, quote, harebrained and an opportunity for right-wingers to rail against the federal government. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I got no issue with that. Joining us now to explain the Convention of States project and how a proposed convention would work is former Pennsylvania senator and presidential candidate Rick Santorum, He's an attorney, a best-selling author who served two terms in the United States Senate. He and his wife are founders of Patriot Voices, a grassroots community uh, committed to restoring the American dream and working for families and dedicated to freedom. Senator, thank you for joining us this evening, and and Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Well, Merry Christmas to you, John, and to all the listeners, and uh, it's uh, it's great to be talking to, uh, to Kansans again. I uh, I have very fond memories uh, 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now, campaigning in Kansas for president. And I had a wonderful reception, had a wonderful victory in the Kansas caucuses. And uh, Kansas is a very warm place in my heart ever since. Well, you're very welcome. And, and thank you for, for, for joining us. And let me first off start by thanking you for 
being such a solid conservative champion and a strong advocate for life that is something that you have a have been for so many years and we need those especially these days with with what we have going on washington dc so kudos to you and thank you for that sir well uh you know i'm someone who believes that the family is the centerpiece of any civilization it certainly has been for the united states and um and respecting life and respecting marriage and respecting the family and, and supporting them through, through not just our, our, our businesses and our culture, but also within, within the government and our laws is, is vitally important for a healthy civilization. And unfortunately, I think what we're seeing is that that is all uh, unraveling and I, and, and you're, you're seeing the results of it. I've seen, you've seen the results in, and uh, just the uh, the despair, particularly that so many children have in America today. I don't think we've been at a time where uh, the uh, suicide, drug use, you name it, every bad thing that could be happening to our kids, uh, not even knowing what they're, whether a girl or a boy. I mean, there's so much confusion and despair in our young people, and it's because you know those of us who. <laughs> Those of us who are old folks are are, are are really screwing things up pretty badly, and uh, so I'm still very much engaged in in trying to right the ship and and give our country a chance for the future. No, I think you're right, and I think it is that erosion of traditional values of the traditional family and traditional norms. Uh, it's because of that erosion that we're seeing so many other things fall by the wayside. And, and yeah, I, and by I, the way, those traditional norms cut across across cultures and faiths. Yes. Yeah. For thousands of years, I mean, if if they were not good ideas and and solid things to build, uh, a, you know, so, a civilization on, they wouldn't have lasted this long. And and we're just taking a meat axe to them and chopping them up and and saying they don't matter and you can be whatever you want to be and and everybody has to not just respect it but celebrate it and and uh, and and endorse it and 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 cheer it and. Yes, you're right. We kind of got off on a tangent. Let me, let me kind of steer us back to. to I know, I know, because yeah. this is a this is an issue that, and I, you and I have actually talked about this in the past when you, uh, you've been here in the past to support other candidates. And for my listeners who aren't familiar with the concept of a convention of states, can you kind of just give them the the thirty thousand foot view? behind what a constitutional convention is and what the Convention of States is trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's called a convention of state, not a constitutional convention. They are two different things. The constitutional convention, no, the the left will use the term constitutional convention to try to scare people. Oh, they're going to rewrite the, we're going to have a convention to completely overhaul the Constitution. Thank you. No, that's not what this is. This is a convention of states to propose amendments that those amendments are limited by the resolution that calls the convention. So the convention is called via resolution passed by the by 34 of the 50 state legislatures. They have to pass both houses of the legislature, in the case of Nebraska, just one. And those 34 states have to pass an identical resolution or very, very similar. Uh, and once they do that, then a convention is called for the purpose stated in the resolution. And anything beyond that would be considered non-germane or not, not, not a, you're not able to deal with it. And so that's what a convention of states is, and it's under the Constitution. 
So people always say, well, you know, don't mess with the Constitution. <laughs> no, this is the Constitution. The Constitution in Article 5, the founders understood something that really I think anybody who's a student of history understands. Republics don't last long. The longest standing republics maybe last two, three hundred years, and then they collapse. Why? They collapse them within decay, whether it's moral decay, fiscal decay, and or governmental decay in the sense that government power concentrates in one or more one one person or a group of people at the top of the food chain, and you and you end up with tyranny and despotism. This is how every republic in the history of of, of man has has ended up. And so what they wanted to do was make sure that there was, uh, that they knew this would happen to America. As, mu as much of the controls they put in place that over time boost the, the values that, that uh, created this great constitutional republic would eventually erode and things would change. And that's happened here in the United States. Two major things I think made that happen. One, was a constitutional amendment, believe it or not. People say, oh, well, you know, look, here's my pocket constitution. Live by this constitution. Well, that constitution isn't the same constitution that was passed by the founders. Right. One particular amendment, uh, the, the amendment dealing with, it's the 17th Amendment, deals with how senators are elected. Most people don't know in America that prior to the progressive era in the early 19-teens, senators for the first 140 years of the republic were elected by the state legislature. The state legislature appointed them, and they were there at the behest of the state legislature. What does that mean? They didn't respond to the public and what the public wanted. They responded to the interest of their state. And as such, they were there to protect the rights of states and not allow the federal government to grow big and powerful and stomp on the states and, and, and stomp on their power or the individual's power. And, the, and so there was in the Constitution a mechanism, a powerful mechanism, to stop Washington from becoming tyrannical. And that they thought that was the most important, one of the most important things they did was to create the United States Senate and separate it from the public, to protect the public from a tyranny in, in, in Washington. Well, that was repealed. Guess by whom? The progressives. Right. Okay, you're hearing the word progressive. Well, this is not the first progressive era. There's another progressive era. And, and so that amendment was, did a big deal. And that amendment led to, if you look at the budget of Washington, D.C., and the federal government before the 17th Amendment and since, Washington, D.C. and the budget was, was minimal. You had a, a situation where Washington was small and the states were power. They were ascendant. They were, the, they were where the power and the, and the rights were in the, in the individuals. After the 17th Amendment, what happened was the Supreme Court then went wild, okay, they, they, because government started passing all these laws, accumulating all this power because the senator was wanted to be responsive to what the people wanted. And so they started breaking down the Constitution, and the Supreme Court in the 1930s under Roosevelt said, we're going to find a way to get all these New Deal things found constitutional, and they have rewritten the Constitution. If you look at a constitution, people pull out their pocket constitution. The actual constitution, as, as, as we understand it today, is 3,000 pages. It's actually printed by the government printing office. It's 3,000 pages, mostly Supreme Court decisions as to what rights and responsibilities are in America. It is not 
what people thought. So why I, said, why I do this as a background is our founders would be astounded by the fact that these state legislators who gave up this power by uh, changing the, 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 uh, the Senate election, but still have one power remaining that they've never used. And that's in Article 5 of the Constitution, right. which allows state legislatures to pass resolutions and to, to form a convention of states and propose amendments to strip the federal government of their power, to limit the amount of spending they have, to limit their terms of office. All of those things are possible, but state legislatures just are, you know, are either ignorant of what their role is in preserving the republic or afraid to exercise that authority. Well, and I think that's a lot of what this is about. And we're talking with former Pennsylvania Senator Rick Santorum, you know, and even this the Eagle editorial that I mentioned earlier ripped the notion of a convention of states. You know, they 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 talked about a common fear that is brought up as the the idea of a runaway Senate or runaway convention that could you know, start or, or rewrite the Constitution or, you know, some people fear that, you know, they, they repeal Second Amendment and things like that. But sure. really, the whole thing is, you know, and I know when I served in the legislature, we first tried to pass the Convention of States here in Kansas. Some of my, you know, most conservative colleagues were afraid of, you know, well, what happens if California or New York delegates take control and rewrite the Constitution? But again, okay. this comes back to, it, it, if you call it properly, it limits the scope of a convention. Yeah. So let me just walk through this idea, this notion of a runaway convention. And and look, I, I understand conservatives are conservative. And therefore, when you hit them with something new, they're reticent to go along and they're very right. suspicious of it. Right. I consider myself a conservative. And I will tell you, you are for eight yeah, for eight years. I did not support the Convention of States. And you know why? Because I didn't take the time to understand it. And, and this is, you know, the knowledge can get rid of a lot of anxiety, right? And understanding get rid of a lot of fear. And so what I did when someone came to me, because I was giving talks about the 17th Amendment. You can see this is a big deal for me. I'm really passionate about this. And I was talking about how we needed structural reform in Washington because having spent 16 years there, two terms in the Senate, two terms in the House, I can tell you Washington is not going to limit its own power. No, of course Whether not. Whether you're a Republican president or a Democratic president, you are not going to limit your own power. Mitch McConnell is not going to limit his power any more than Chuck Schumer is or Nancy Pelosi is. So the idea that you can fix it by electing good people to Washington, thats we've been trying that for decades. It isn't going to work. People get powered drunk when they go into the swamp in Washington. There are a few that don't, but most do. And that's the and the Democrats all do. So the bottom line is the only way to, to, to limit their power and to get power back to the people to stop this insane spending. I left the Senate in 2007. I think our deficit was something like six or seven trillion dollars. It's thirty one trillion dollars. And I say to every Kansas legislator, how how many more trillions does it have to be before you say enough? Right. Before you take, before you do what the response, what the, get, take the responsibility that the founders gave you to do something about. I love these state legislators who go out there and beat up on Washington. Oh, they're out of control. They spend too much. They mandate too much. They put all these ridiculous rules and they tell us how to do this. And yet, according to the Constitution, they are at the top of the food chain. They can tell Congress what to do. 
And yet all these conservatives who complain about Washington, uh, well, well, I don't know if I want to do, oh, you know, California might do something. Hey, here's the reality. The way a, con- a convention works is you get 34 states that have to, have to pass this resolution. Well, let me just tell you, no Democratic state is going to pass this, this resolution. The Dem- every left-wing group in America is against it. Obviously, all the left-wing media, the New York Times has written an editorial against the Washington Post, the Eagle. There's every left-wing media outlet and every left-wing organization is 100% against it. So the Democrats are never going to pass this. So what does that mean? For the Republicans to call a convention, 34 states have to be controlled by Republicans, the right. legislature. Right. Well, we're at 31 as of this year. We're going to go down to 30 because we lost Michigan this year. But we're at 31. With a good election season, you could get to 34 and there and thereby get to 34 Republican-controlled legislatures passing a resolution to call for this convention. That means at the convention, 34 of the 50 delegations would be Republican. So you say, well, oh, these terrible things could happen. 34 of the 50 delegations are Republican. Number one, they're not going to eliminate the Second Amendment. The other thing you should realize is that this convention will be the biggest national story of our lifetime. Never before has this con- a convention like this ever been held, and this will get gavel-to-gavel coverage, wall-to-wall. There'll be, there'll be movements across the country trying to propose amendments to balance the budget or to limit taxation or and grassroots activity, and it's nationally televised. The idea that California or New York is going to somehow take over the convention, how? Right. I mean, there's no mechanism. Every state gets one vote. Why? Because every state is a sovereign entity, and therefore they get one vote. So the idea that all of these Republican-controlled states that all get one vote are going to give up their vote to let New York and California run the convention is absurd. Right. Finally, final point I'll make. The con- this convention only proposes amendments. So, for example, they propose an amendment to balance the budget or to limit terms. That amendment then goes to the states, and just like it is when Congress proposes an amendment, 38 states have to ratify. That's both chambers in 38 states have to say yes. And to block it, 13 chambers, I mean, 13 states, one chamber in each of those 13 states has to do nothing to block it. They don't have to vote no, they just don't vote on it. So the idea that somehow a Republican-controlled convention under the spotlight of the national media and national attention is going to pass a repeal of the Second Amendment and 38 state legislatures, including uh, half of the 20, uh, 26 states that allow constitutional carry and 24 states that allow you to bring your gun into the state legislature, <laughs> including ours, somehow or another eliminate the Second Second Amendment. It's in- ridiculous. Including Kansas, by the way. Senator, I, let me, I know we've got, we're up against the, the break here, but let me ask you, when the COS project here came to Kansas, one of the issues that we've got here, you know, we had enough votes to pass it. We had a majority, yep. but in Kansas, you have to get a super majority. That is an issue I know you guys are pushing up against here going into next year's session. You're trying to get that uh, across, get past that hurdle here in 2023. What kind of success do you think you'll have in the 2023 session? I I feel really good about it because, number one, the vast majority of Kansans support the Convention of States and what we're trying to accomplish. The vast majority of the state legislature, both 
in the in the House and the Senate. Cer- certainly, a clear majority in both legislators support it. And this idea that Kansas needs two thirds to pass a a uh, an Article Five convention is wrong. There's a rule in Kansas, both in the state legislature, in the state house, and in the constitution. The one in the constitution is invalid. It can't be. It, it cannot be uh, sustained in, in any kind of litigation. And the rule in the in the in the house, which goes along with it, is there to protect Roe versus Wade. Well, Roe versus Wade is gone. There's no reason to protect it. And I would say to every Kansas Republican who has to vote on this rule coming up in January, if you vote for this rule, you're voting to abdicate your responsibility to control the federal government, and you can't call yourself a conservative. Because if you're a conservative, you will take the power given to you by the Constitution and use that power to protect this country and avoid tyranny. And any excuse otherwise is simply siding with a group of people in the 1970s who wanted to protect abortion on demand. And so it's a double whammy. You're, you're siding with the left to protect abortion, and you're siding against the founders to protect this country from tyranny. If my listeners support the Convention of States project, or if they want more information, best place for them to go is for what? Conventionofstates.com, I imagine? Exactly. And, of course, they can find you. You're on Twitter, at Rick Santorum. I follow you on Twitter. I highly recommend folks follow you on Twitter. And if they're interested, they can also get information on your project, the Patriot Voices Project at PatriotVoices.com, correct? Absolutely. Senator, no, no, my pleasure. Thank you again for joining us uh, this evening and and wishing you and your family a a very Merry Christmas, Senator. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you again for joining us, my friend. Thank you, John, and Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And uh, let's hope for a great new year where we start to turn things around and, and, and become a country that is consistent with the with what God's plan is for this great nation. Amen. Amen. Your lips to God's ears, my friend. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be taking your calls at 845, but coming up after the break, outgoing Attorney General Derek Schmidt will be with us to reflect on his tenure in the AG's office. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. We'll be back in just a moment. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. It's the holiday season, and Taco Bell is giving away free Christmas cash. Do you want to win? Listen daily for the Taco Bell weekly location and join us for your chance to win. One lucky drive through vehicle chosen randomly will win $98 in Christmas cash. Are you the lucky one? Drive through and see if you win. Just Taco Bell's way of saying thank you and happy holidays. No purchase necessary. See store for details. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Your phone call is welcome at 869-1330. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. We're beginning to plan a COVID Christmas. That means no nativity. Well, it wouldn't be quite the same seeing wise men by the manger wearing PPE. Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, sponsored by Wink Hartman and the Hartman Group of Companies. As always, you can listen to us by telling your smart speaker to play KNSS Radio. And if you ever miss an episode, just visit knssradio.com. You'll find links to podcasts of all our previous episodes there. And make sure you like and follow the John Whitmer Show Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer to get all the latest updates on the show. Well, Kansas has been blessed to have an extraordinary attorney general for the past 12 years. During his tenure, among a host of other accomplishments, his office successfully prosecuted more child abusers than any previous administration and recovered over $1.1 billion for Kansas consumers and taxpayers. Joining us now is outgoing Attorney General Derek Schmidt, Derek, it's a it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Merry Christmas! Thank you for our server your service to our state. And my goodness, I wished you were going to be governor coming up next year, my friend. Well, thank you, John, and thanks for uh, thanks for your friendship. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, I'm so grateful to everybody who uh, was with us and helped us out in the governor's race. I'm sorry we didn't quite get there. It was very close, but at the end of the day, like they say, that only counts in uh, horseshoes, and and this wasn't a game of horseshoes. No. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, the voters made their decision. We'll move on and, and, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, uh, hopefully win that office back, uh, with a Republican in four years. But, you know, at the same time, it's uh, sort of doubly bittersweet for me because I'm also leaving the attorney general's office. Uh, obviously I couldn't run for both offices at once and, uh, and it's time. I, it's been a great privilege to serve these last 12 years, second longest serving attorney general in state history. Um, and although I personally would love to continue to serve, uh, you know, it, it, it's time to have some fresh ideas and some fresh uh, perspectives there. So these aren't supposed to be lifetime appointments, and, and it's time to uh, let somebody else have a turn. And, and Chris Kobach is going to be a great attorney general for the state of Kansas, and the voters have hired him. We're doing our best to hand the office off in, in better shape than we found it. But, you know, I, I appreciate your good words at the front, John. We have uh, Our team has done some great work over the last 12 years. I can say that immodestly because at the end of the day, uh, as somebody told me early on in my service, all I really have to do is hire good people, give them guidance, and give them support, and good things happen. And I think that's been true these last 12 years. You mentioned a couple of things, uh, our focus on prosecuting crimes against children, uh, human trafficking, related crimes. Uh, we've done more of it than any prior AG's administration, and especially in rural communities. I mean, there in Wichita, 
you've got, uh, you know, in the district attorney's office and in the, the local police departments, law enforcement agencies, you've got some very skilled, uh, specially trained individuals who do great work on child crimes. But it's no criticism of, of law enforcement or prosecutors elsewhere in the state to point out the obvious truth that if they don't have the depth of resources, they just can't focus on them as intently. And they're very difficult crimes uh, to investigate and prosecute successfully. So we've stepped in, done a lot of elder abuse uh, uh, prosecutions around the state done a lot of financial recoveries around the state. Uh, you mentioned the $1.1 billion in recoveries. That is a record. I want to put that a little in context to what we're proud of. The total cost of running the Attorney General's office these last years, 12 years, has been about a little less than $300 million. So, you know, we're not a profit-making enterprise. We shouldn't view ourselves that way, and we don't. But we can still point out that the return on investment for Kansas taxpayers on our watch has been about 4 to 1, and I think that's pretty good. Well, and I don't think people realize I know it because I served all four years I was in the legislature. I served on House Judiciary. I don't think people realize how much your office works with the legislature in crafting legislation. You were constantly before judiciary. And then when I was vice chair of uh, corrections, you were before our committee all the time as well. So, I mean, that's another area where I think your office was constantly either you or members of your team were testifying and helping craft legislation as well. We always thought that was an important role for the office. Maybe that's because of my service in the in the legislature before I served as attorney general, so I felt comfortable in that setting. I like to think I understood what uh, members of the legislature were going through, were interested in, might, might be interested in, and how we could be helpful. And so we always tried to stay in our lane. We didn't just wade in on issues no, because they were in no. the news. But on things that we thought were within our lane, we tried to be very engaged and helpful. And we got a lot done. I mean, you remember, we, we I say we, I mean, the legislature did it with the governor's signature, but we were there helping, advocating, helping craft language. We did everything from um, uh, beefing up penalties for folks that uh, uh, commit violent crimes against law enforcement officers to uh, uh, fixing some of the statutes related to sex crimes against kids to, to fixing parts of the tobacco settlement. Now, there's something that people aren't talking about in the coffee shops, but when we took office 12 years ago, uh, this uh, master settlement agreement, the big tobacco settlement from back in the late right, 90s, right, it had yeah. gotten off the rails here in Kansas because it doesn't just keep happening. Every single year, we have to do things in the state to stay in compliance. It never ends. And we'd gotten off track in the years before, uh, starting actually way back in 2002, to the point that the tobacco companies wanted hundreds of millions of dollars returned from Kansas. They wanted us to write them a check. Never made the news. Uh, we weren't hiding it. The press just wasn't interested. But uh, we fixed that problem, got rid of all of that retrospective, that backward-looking liability, fixed some of the problems going forward so it shouldn't reoccur. So just stuff like that. We've been very, very proud to just sort of do our job day in and day out. Well, in general, to your credit, you have one heck of a record arguing before the United States Supreme Court as well. I've always, you know, you and I have talked a lot. I mean, we spent a lot of time on a bus recently, but you know, <laughs> that is one thing that not many people get to argue before the U.S. Supreme Court. You've had that privilege and you've got a pretty good record, as I recall. You know, we're really proud of that. We've worked hard on our appellate capacity, especially our Supreme Court advocacy. Uh, we argued eight cases for Kansas per, ourselves at the AG's office. Argued. We were part of many more than that, but we argued eight cases for Kansas uh, on my watch. We won them all. We went eight no. Uh, I had a chance to personally argue three of those, and uh, it uh, certainly has been a highlight of my professional life. So I, I just can't tell you, John, how grateful I am to the people of this state who have allowed me to serve in this role. 
and uh, it's something I will always be grateful for. And uh, uh, like I say, I think we're leaving the office and the state better than we found it. And if uh, if so, that's certainly the mark of success. We're uh, we're talking with Attorney General Derek Schmidt. So, Derek, what if I had to ask you, what do you consider your greatest accomplish, accomplishment? And on the flip side, then, what is your, your, your greatest regret? What, what would you say to that? You know, uh, I'm going to give you a double answer on the on the accomplishment side. I think uh, finally getting the new KBI Forensic Science Laboratory in Topeka, the headquarters lab built, uh, was a tremendous accomplishment. We'd needed to do that for 25 years, and we were finally able to get that done. And the reason that matters is that it moves cases and investigations along in every community in the state, uh, from Wichita to the smallest burg. Um, uh, if you can't get the laboratory to timely process blood or fingerprints or bullets, uh, it really slows things down. Yeah, so we, we did that. That was tremendously, that, that's, that's going to be a generational contribution to public safety uh, in Kansas. Uh, and the other thing I'd mentioned, it's current. Uh, we haven't done it alone. We've been working with nearly every other state, but uh, we have uh, been on a string of settlements here in the last year. Uh, with companies that really caused or at least fueled this opioid addiction crisis all around the country, including in Kansas. Their business practices back in the 90s and early 2000s where they put, uh, they basically, as I put it, they peddled addiction for profit. They knew that they were selling drugs uh, lawfully, but at a, at a, a pace that was far beyond what was medically indicated. They shoved these drugs out into the system in order to make money. And when they did that, uh, not surprisingly, people became addicted. And then when folks figured it out and tried to shrink the supply back to a more medically necessary amount, uh, addiction had taken hold. And so then we saw the heroin crisis kick in, and now we have the fentanyl crisis kicking in. And it was all it all roots back to this business model that um, that was illegal at the time. We've settled now with eight companies. I hope we're going to get a couple more done before I leave office here in about three weeks. And uh, we will bring to Kansas uh, right at $300 million through those settlements, all of which, because we worked with the legislature, Republicans and Democrats, um, uh, all of which will be dedicated to uh, addiction mitigation, prevention, intervention, treatment services, basically taking the money we recovered from the folks that caused this problem and using it to try to stem the problem going forward. I'm really proud of that outcome. I, I I would see I can see that and and your biggest regret. Well, you know we uh, back on the child crime piece, uh, we were able to create working with the legislature a Northeast Child Victims Task Force. It's a multidisciplinary task force. It's really modeled on what you all have in Wichita and Sedgwick County, with the Exploited and Missing Children's Unit and the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force and some of the other co-location. We we created a little model of that in the Northeast. It's working very well. My regret is. I wasn't able to get similar models replicated in other parts of the state where it could really make so much difference uh, in investigating and bringing justice and crimes against kids. And I hope that's something that, uh, you know, people who are in office uh, going forward don't let drop. I hope they look at that, say this is a success. It makes sense. Let's see if we can make sure that it doesn't matter if you're in the smallest town on the Colorado border or in the middle of the Kansas City or Wichita metro area. If you're a child who is sexually abused, we are going to bring the best resources available uh, to uh, uh, to bring your your uh, uh, the person who offended against you to justice. Well, like I mentioned when we first uh, started talking, I, I <laughs> you know how I voted, you know how my wife voted, 
Uh, there were just too many who, who you know, followed Dennis Pyle's lead. Um, I'd love to see his governor, but sadly, I'm, we're going to be stuck with Laura Kelly for four years. But what what's next for you? What, where are you going to go from here? What's your plans, or, or do you have one at this point? Yeah, I don't have anything quite sorted out yet. So I have three more weeks at the Attorney General's office. We're focused very intently on getting that button down and hand it off uh, to Chris Kobach professionally and, like I say, in, in good shape and ready for him to hit the ground running. Um, after that, I'm going to take a deep breath, and uh, I've had the privilege of serving for 22 years now between the state Senate and the Attorney General's office. This is the first time in a long time that we've had a completely open playing field in front of us, and uh, my wife and I are going to you know, kind of look at our options and, and figure it out. I'm, I'm not ready to stop making a contribution. We do still want to be in public service in some manner, but I don't know what that means yet. Well, it's a well-earned break, my friend, and I, I wish you all the best. Keep me in the loop, and when you do decide, I want to know about it, all right? Will do it. Thank you and, so much, John. Thanks course, to all your listeners. Of course. And in the meantime, have a Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas. Take care. We'll take a quick break and stick around because uh, after the break, AFP Kansas State Director Elizabeth Patton will be with us to try and explain why the Kansas Department of Commerce is refusing to comply with CORA requests. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show. We'll be back right after this. This is Wink Hartman with another Hartman Truth Minute on KNSS Radio. GOP leader Mitch McConnell said exit polling showed voters care about kitchen table issues. Really? Did Mitch sleep through the recent election? The truth is, the GOP squeezed out a tiny majority in the House. The Senate? It's gone. Does anyone get it? The GOP needs new ideas, new leadership. The GOP has many talking heads on Fox News Daily. They go on camera and rant and rave about the latest crisis and complain to no end. Yet they offer few solutions. It is outrageous that only 45% of Kansans care to vote. Yes, only 45%. If the not my problem attitude continues, we're going to fail ourselves time and time again. Believe it or not, voting is a right, but even more so, It is a responsibility. Hey, friends, 2022, it's a new year, a new church, a new name, and the same vision. This is Pastor Joe Wright. I'm announcing the name of our church is Life Change Church. That's exactly what we believe the church should be about, changing lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. We're back behind CarMax. The congregation there is very excited. If you want to live stream us on Sunday morning, it's lifechangechurchwichita.com at 10 o'clock. And then if you want to listen on this radio station, KNSS, we're here at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning. I'm Pastor Joe Wright. We have Pastor John Henry and Pastor Peter Abood. We love the people, the values, the faith of Wichita, Kansas. And these three pastors have a combined 81-plus years of ministry in Wichita. We hope you'll come and visit us 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, Life Change Church on East Kellogg behind Carmax. We'll have dry weather this evening, but overnight a different story as rain develops and eventually changing to a little bit of light snow. Accumulations light, less than a half inch, and the low 33. For Monday, some rain in the morning, then mostly cloudy skies will top out at 43. I'm KNSS meteorologist Rodney Price. 
live Sunday nights. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 13.30 KNSX. Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, sponsored by Wink Hartman and the Hartman Group of Companies. Make sure you listen to us by telling your smart speaker to play KNSS Radio. And if you miss an episode, just visit knssradio.com where you can find podcast links to all our previous episodes there. Like and follow the John Whitmer Show on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer get all the latest updates on the show. Well, this week, Americans for Prosperity Kansas filed a Kansas Open Records Act complaint against the Kansas Department of Commerce after not providing, after they didn't provide all the requested information from a previous CORA complaint that AFP had filed over a year ago regarding the sales tax and revenue or star bonds program. Joining us now to explain what's going on and what prompted the complaints is AFP Kansas State Director Elizabeth Patton. Elizabeth, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show, and of course, Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, too. It's always a pleasure to be on, so thank you for the opportunity to be here. You're very welcome, my friend. And For those who may not be familiar with the Star Bonds program, it's basically intended to increase tourism and create jobs by allowing private development projects to be financed by government bonds. But the program has not been particularly effective in accomplishing those objectives. And the other downside to it is little is known about where these taxpayer dollars end up getting funneling through. Um, Is that what prompted the complaint initially? Was you guys just trying to find out where the money's going? Yeah, you nailed it. I think overall, we're trying to find more information about star bonds. Um, over the last few years, both in 2020 and 2021, we've had a few uh, things come out about star bonds that have just shown them to be ineffective and largely failing. And yet taxpayers are really put on the hook. And to your point, uh, serious lack of transparency and where everything's going. Um, so when Legislative Post Audit came out with their report in 2021, um, showing kind of what we suspected all along, uh, there was just more information we needed to know. And so we pro- we decided to put in a court request, and that was over a year ago, and we still have pretty much nothing to show for it from uh, the department. I'm glad you mentioned that audit. That audit found only three of the 16 Star Bond projects that it reviewed met the tourism metrics for the program, and previous studies have also questioned the claims of job creation. There's a lot of the, you know, they claim one thing and it's, it, you know, the claims end up being, well, that it's the projected jobs rather than actual. Um, and all of this stuff is run through the Department of Commerce, which headed up by David Toland, of course. And this is, let's not forget, this is who the Democrats are likely to put forward as their next, com- you know, candidate for governor. Um the, your initial complaint was a year ago, so and they've yet to comply with that, which is now why you're having to file another one. What, why is it taking them so long? I mean, what are they trying to hide, Elizabeth? And that's my question exactly. You know, the the fact that it's taken over a year um, to comply with this complaint is just baffling to me. Uh, you know, at, at the six month mark, um, we were, you know, we we considered doing a complaint at that time and thought. You know, we'll just we'll give them a little more time, and then before we knew it, I'm like, it's been a year. We've got to get this. Every couple of weeks or so, we'll get this email that says we need more time. I mean, after a year, how much more time do you need? It's been absurd. 
what are they saying when you i mean is it just we need more time or they come I mean, is there how hard is this it can't be that hard to come up with this data you would think that was our, that's our whole that's our whole issue um that is that is the line of the email we've been receiving has is just that they need more time to comply with our request uh i, I I can't figure out why it's taken over a year uh, to get us what, in my view, should be pretty obvious and transparent records so that they can be held accountable to the taxpayers for these programs. I mean, it, it, it shouldn't take a year. If the data exists, they should be able to produce it. So if you had to guess, is this a matter of the data doesn't exist or the data isn't what they want you to find out about? <laughs> I, I wish I knew, and I think that's that's our whole um, question with the complaint is, which is it? Is it that you don't want us to know about it, or is that it doesn't exist? Maybe it's a combination of both. Uh, either either one is a huge problem for Kansas taxpayers, um, and, and we wanted to make sure people knew about that because these are, I mean, this is a lot of money we're messing around with, and it's just being shuffled around potentially um, in a really – inadequate way um it just it's unacceptable in my view we're talking with elizabeth Patton from afp kansas so uh, elizabeth I, I mean what are the consequences here if let's say they comply and it's not meeting numbers or worse they have no ability they can't produce the numbers are there any clawbacks can the can the taxpayers say okay these projects are done we want our money back from these developers or can they end these term can they terminate these star bond programs or once we're in we're locked in we're locked in well it, they made some changes to the statute um uh, the session before last and um that extended the program um till uh, forgive me uh i believe it's 2025 but um i i could i'm gonna double check that but it it will end soon and so my request will be to the legislature to just honestly end this program uh, there's really only actually two other states that have anything like the Starbomb program. Um, and a lot of times when we hear them talk about it, they're like, oh, nobody has anything else like this. And I'm like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that's right. a good thing yeah. if all the programs are failing. Like, then we're doing it wrong. Yeah. And it's just not it's not the right program. And there are other mechanisms that the state can use, in our view, that would be more responsible, more transparent more accountable, and frankly, more successful at producing Kansas jobs or tourism. Uh, frankly, these haven't largely. And um, so I, I would ask the legislature to subset the program and allow it to to be done. Yeah, no one selects Supreme Court justices the way we do either. That doesn't make it a good thing, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That hasn't gotten us in a good place either. Exactly. No, absolutely. <laughs> so, so what is the status of the complaint at this point? The status of the complaint, um, it will likely be referred at this point, um, as I understand it, to the uh, to the district attorney in the county, in Shawnee County. Um, as I understand it, that's the next step. Um, so we will see what comes of that. Uh, so we're in a waiting point right now, but I am very anxious to uh, get to some resolution here and find out, to your point, if we have data or if or if they just don't want to let us know what's going on. Yeah, well, that, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me either way, trust me. <laughs> right. um, if, Elizabeth, if folks want to keep up with you, if they want to find out what you guys are up to, it's americansforprosperity.org slash state slash Kansas, correct? 
It is, but I would really encourage people to follow us on social media. Um, that's the most up-to-date info on what we've got going on. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, uh, and all of those places will have uh, what we're working on, events we've got going on, um, policy information, um, anything that they want to know about our chapter. Um, that's where I would encourage people to go. Well, I appreciate you as always. You guys are you know, helping to hold them accountable, which is what we need, holding a government accountable. So thank you again, Elizabeth. Uh, carry on the fight, and Merry Christmas, of course. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thanks so much. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll want to hear from you. This will be your last chance before the new year. Our phone lines are open, 316-869-1330. Give us a call. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. Pay back on and loosen your seatbelt just a notch. Since this is the Heart and Truth Minute on KNSS Radio, I will continue to tell the truth. Polling is a waste of time and money. Just think. Polling is used to decide where millions of dollars go for some candidates. The weak candidates get large sums because their poor messaging doesn't raise millions. DC politicians throw money at anything moving to elect a weak candidate. These candidates are from both parties. Who is kidding who? Some were very weak in their messaging that did not interest the voters. They talked about the top polling categories, although they often didn't believe a word they were saying. Don't forget, I've been there, done that. I had a message I believed in. Did I work hard enough? Was it no support from the national GOP? Lack of money. You decide. But I do know if the GOP runs lackluster candidates, the outcomes will not change. Simple solution. Better candidates better outcomes while you're breaking ornaments we're breaking the stories that matter we have fired nancy pelosi inflation is still hurting people we're making real progress weather weather can affect everything it's good to know if it's gonna snow and traffic so you don't get stuck in a long line of traffic the news doesn't stop for the holidays and neither do we the price of gas is still too high and we need to keep working to bring it down 98.7 and 1330 knss this time of year, Christmas and New Year's, time, spending time with family and friends, is on everyone's mind. Relax, take some time off. Examine the time we're in. This is a different time in human experience. With the Glenn Beck Program, this is not normal. None of this is normal. We are in different times. I'm going to show you the news of the day and why I think it's important. Mornings from 9 until 11. Uh, I don't think this is going to be... Good on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. It's been a week. Elon Musk's Twitter file. This is a scandal. Putin's war on Ukraine. Patriot anti-air defense missile system. Harnessing nuclear fusion. Federal Reserve interest rate hike. FTX's founder. The largest Ponzi scheme in history. And it all happened here. No government shutdown this week. Sign the Respect for Marriage Act. Title 42. This border is a disaster. Stay with us throughout the weekend. Massive, severe weather outbreak. And as the new week begins. Trump digital trading cards. KNSS. 
Steve and Ted mornings. Here's the deal. My birthday was yesterday. Yes, it was. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. And the, and the day before that, Saturday, we got everybody, my family together. We had a good time. Everybody behaved themselves, and Shelly brought in a birthday cake. I told her, I said, I do not, I, what kind of cake you want? I said, anything but chocolate. So guess what? It was chocolate. Uh, <laughs> How's that work? Ah, uh, well. Steve and Ted in the morning on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Your phone call is welcome at 869-1330. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on... 987 and 1330 KNSS. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to remind you to stay informed with up-to-the-minute news by downloading the Odyssey app or telling Alexa or Google Home to play KNSS radio. And, of course, make sure you like and follow the John Whitmer Show Facebook and through social pages. And follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer to get all the latest updates on the show. Just a reminder Next two Sundays, we'll be playing best of shows. And then something uh, really cool, actually, the week between Christmas and New Year's, I'm doing some fill-in work. On Monday, December 26th, I am filling in for my buddy Pete Mundo on 710 KCMO up in Kansas City. That's the Big Talker Kansas City morning show. So I'll be on 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., uh, KCMO in Kansas City. Nice. Yeah. Four hours yes. with John Whitmer. 6A to 10A. <laughs> yes. Uh, on Monday, the 26th. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of that week, I will be filling in for the Tara show on 1063 Word in South Carolina. Look at that. So I'm doing a week of morning shows. It's four hours a day for five days. How do you feel about that? Um, I have no idea how I'm going to fill that much time. <laughs> I have no idea. But we'll post links on the John Whitmer Show Facebook page so folks can listen live while I'm on the air. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they want to call in, they call into Kansas City. They can call into the Terror Show in South Carolina. And it'll right. be kind of fun. They've got phone lines there too. Phone so, lines uh, there, yeah. and it it you know um, it's a morning show. Yeah, uh, it'll be good. You know, practice for who knows what could come in the future. But yeah, it, that's that's great. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I got some afternoon gigs coming up in January, doing some fill in uh, in the afternoons in January. So you know, it'll be fun. It's this is uh, like I mentioned earlier that we're we're starting our fifth year doing this show and uh we've got we've got great things to come more to come and i love you dave you are hands oh. down the best producer in radio oh thanks John. Um, and you know i'm i'm just so blessed to to ha- have this opportunity um to, to to do this show it has been a yeah. true pleasure it's a great way to stay connected and um, stay involved in politics, the people that I've been able to meet, the people I've been able to talk to. You know, I mean, it, interviewing people like Mike Pence and Christy Nome and uh, the interactions working on campaigns and, and doing the show has just been a true blessing. And working with you, brother, you are you are the best. Working with Tony Deucing and the folks here at Kane and the listeners. Uh, yeah. you know, hearing from them, emails and phone calls and the, the messages and 
you know, how much I get under Brandon Whipple's skin um, is truly worth it. It, it. It's truly a blessing. Well, good. Right back so, at you, John. Um, but I, I appreciate you guys, and I, and I appreciate my listeners, uh, everyone who, who listens and makes this show possible, because without them, we couldn't do the show. We couldn't do all the fun things that we do. And, um, you know, we'll do more next year. So have a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2023. Merry Christmas, folks. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.